Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast 2017. Oh my gosh, let me just start on over there. 2017 NFL Combine Highlights. This is Hakun Wong, the Editor-in-Chief of FootballGarbageTime.com. On the line with me, as usual, is Ryan Whitfield, Senior Staff Writer of FootballGarbageTime.com. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, good. We, we always have a misstep in the first minute or two. We always we always get it on yeah, track you know. by, by minute three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, I, I feel like I'm okay, it's okay flubbing this one because this is a little bit off. This is off our regular schedule. We're doing this on a Sunday uh, in order to get all the highlights on the NFL Combine over the last three days to our listeners. So I feel like it's justified if I make a couple screw-ups today. We're, we're kind of like, you know, we're kind of winging this. So I, I feel pretty good about it. Um, so let me just say this. The NFL Combine going on for several days now. Lots of stuff going on here. Really interesting developments all the way around. Um, what do you think? Should we just start with talking about Friday and we'll move our way through all the different positions? Or is there something you want to bring up about the Combine generally before we jump into the, the nitty-gritty? Yeah, so I'll just say off, you know, uh, obviously I, I, I did my research. I'm going to bring my best to the, to the show today. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of <laughs> okay. people could probably understand understand why I put very little um, truly into the into the um, the combine with, with Brady, uh, you know his combine you know report has been uh, very well publicized, and you got guys like yep. Edelman um, right. over the years, and, and Malcolm Butler who was snubbed on even invites to it. So you know I just I watch a football team that routinely um, gets laughed at in the second round for reaching on guys who end up being marquee guys in their team. So I just the combine never you know the, the three cone drills about as useless as. Uh, anything I've ever seen and, and for me any anytime Mike Mayock is an expert because of what you're putting on the screen um, that's an issue so that's you know, overall that's how I feel about the combine but um, yeah you know, I think there are some things to take from it when I you know I did my best to try to abstract those things today yeah and I think there is there, I mean it's nothing else it's another data point that people can look at in order to try to predict what's going to happen when we get to the draft because obviously no one knows until you actually get the NFL if they're going to be useful or not but uh, yeah okay well let's get some good opening notes there let's go ahead and get it to it All right, so we got a lot to talk about because the combine has been going on for quite some time now. On Friday, running backs, offensive linemen, special teams, all were on the field running through drills after measurements were done earlier in the week. Wide receivers were on the field uh, along with quarterbacks and tight ends on Saturday. And then today, all day, defensive linemen and linebackers. And we still have more to come on Monday, both safeties and defensive backs. But let's go ahead and start with Friday. Let's start with running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams. Ryan, what did you note from the uh, Friday Combine? Anything there that popped out at you? Yeah, I would, um, you know, the, the guy who I who I have the, the biggest um, note on would be, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, he was top top uh, performer across the board in the 40-yard dash and the three-cone drill on the bench, um, the bench press. You know, I think, you know, if if you ask me to pick, I know Leonard Fournette gets a lot of um, hype and excitement, but there's there's always, you know, I, I again, kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, um, you know, I look I look very intently in uh, on intangibles, um, and, and that's how I really evaluate a lot of players, and 
there's just something around Leonard Fournette that makes me say he's going to be an absolute bust. I, I don't know if it's the, the sitting out the bowl games, if it's the if it's just wow. um, this, this level of hype that he gets. I just um, you know, it's, it's kind of almost what I would call the Jadavian Clowney thing. There's, there's always a couple guys who, right before, you know, their the last year or so, that really also become like a, a household name that end up, you know, not really panning out the NFL. And I know that Clowney finally had a good year this year, but um, we'll see if, you know, that was the apparition or if that was, the, you know, the, the rule. But, um, you know, Dalvin Cook to me is, um, you know, Fisher's turned out a pretty nice program over there. Um, you know, you right. look at the, the success on Devontae Freeman's having in the league. Um, you see how, you know, James Winston's on the uptick, but especially, you know, Freeman, you know, it's another running back out of that system. Um, I think Dalvin Cook is pound for pound. Um, he's fast. He's physical. Um, he can make plays out of the backfield, catching the ball. Um, and, I, you know, he went out there and performed at, at a high level across the board in the combine. So that was my big takeaway from Friday that um, I still don't believe in taking – a running back in the first round, but I would take Delvin Cook with the first pick of the second round on principle. So. so let me ask you this question, because the social media really did blow up about this on Friday, about um, Leonard Fournette and his 28.5-inch vertical jump, which um, which a big was a big deal because uh, it was shockingly low. Not just low, but shockingly low. Because it turns out that the average vertical – at the NFL Combine for a running back drafted in the first round, and I know you don't believe in drafting running backs in the first round, but just bear with me, is 35.6 inches. And the shortest vertical jump by a running back drafted in the first round is 31.5. So, obviously, for all of you who are math challenged out there, 28.5 is quite a bit lower than both of those numbers. Um, so did that in any way impact you, or did the fact that he turned it around and actually ran a really good 40-yard dash uh, later on at 4.1, 4.51 seconds, um, you know, have any bearing on how you feel about Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just more of an indication of what I said. I just, I think he's, you know, you know me, I don't like to, to bench my takes or to, to couch them. So I'll just come out and say, I think he's going to suck in the NFL. Um, and I think you're wow. starting to see the signs of it. There's just, he just, he's just one of those guys. He has, you know, there's, there's, there's a level, you know, you can have a level of confidence and, um, you know, he comes to, across to me as somebody who doesn't get it, who's arrogant. Um, you know, that's embarrassing to do that at the Combine, so to show up for that almost, that shows more of a, a lack of ability to perform or a lack of, uh, you know, uh, able to handle the pressure or, or prepare properly for the spotlight. You know, to me, he is, he's the real-life version, you know, for anyone who's a, not a TV show but the movie, Texas, uh, or Friday Night Lights. You know, he's, uh, he's movie Miles to me. Um, and okay. so I think I think he's going to be a major bust for somebody. And I think I think Friday was just the first step of you know in, in two years when we're looking at him as a Trent Richardson, you'll look back on Friday and say, wow, they're, yeah, they're wow. Those signs. Trent Richardson, Woo. that's almost like a bad word nowadays in the NFL. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: though. I mean, the fact of the matter is that he did now. So I agree with you somewhat because he did opt out from a lot of the drills during uh, during the. Uh, the combine, I think a lot of it was because he had such a bad showing on the vertical jump. So he skipped the broad jump. He skipped a lot of other drills. But he did run a 40-yard dash in 4.51 seconds, which is the fastest time by running back weighing 20, 240 pounds plus this year and the fastest time by running back uh, weighing 240-plus pounds since 2006. And, in fact, Football Outsiders, as you know, one of my favorite sites, actually put together a speed score that was originally used by ESPN Insiders, which takes into account weight because, of course, you expect a running back who's lighter to run faster. 
and uh, they graded him with a top speed score of all running backs in the combine. So, I mean, does that in any way make you feel better about Leonard Fournette, or do you think that that really is, is does, doesn't have any bearing right now? Yeah, that's another one. You know, the 40-yard dash isn't, isn't a stat or, uh, you know, a measurement that I put a lot of, of weight into. Um, you know, I, I understand there's the muscle and there's the size to him. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, how many times are you going to have a wide-open field where you're running 40 yards, you know, untouched? So, um, right. you know, I, I think I, I don't have any question about the physical ability or, or, or the, 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 the skill set of Leonard Fournette. I have a question about whether or not he compete, competes against good, a good, you know, good teams um, if he rises to the moment. And I think there's a huge question mark, at least for me, of uh, his ability to focus and to really just get what it takes to be, you know, an elite performer in between his ears. So, um, right, you know, right. I think I, I have no, I have no question. And that's why I think that's why the vertical jump's even more disappointing than it is because there's no, there's no way, you know. Again, if he if he does that ten times in a room by himself, you know I don't think he hits twenty and a half once. I think he goes above that every single time. I think that was a a performance based issue, not not an ability or or a skill set issue. Right, and then he opted out in a number of other drills, which was actually a little bit concerning as well, because you know Dalvin Cook and and the other guy who we actually haven't mentioned yet, Christian McCaffrey, the other guy who's been kind of t- kind of rock, kind of logged in here or grouped together uh, with the other two as being the top three running backs in the draft, uh, all went through the entire set of skill drills where Leonard Fournette decided not to. Uh, and, in fact, uh, Three Sigma Athlete puts out a Spark Athlete score, and their calculation is based on all combine results. So they couldn't actually do anything for Fournette because he didn't qualify for our calculation. He didn't do enough of the skill, cha- skill sets uh, or skill uh, uh, routes and things that they, that they had to, at the combine. But... Uh, interestingly, Christian McCaffrey, the guy we haven't mentioned yet from Stanford, he ended up fourth highest in the Spark rating for 70.7%. And according to Spark, according to Three Sigma Athletes, 50% is NFL league average. So he, he's up there at 707 And Delvin Cook ended up fourth to last at just 9%. And, uh, and according to Zach Whitman, a Three Sigma Athlete, no running back who tested at sub 10th percentile on the Spark has been drafted in the first round in the last 17 years. Does that give you any concern as far as Delvin Cook, or do you think really the tape really tells the whole story? Yeah, I think the tape tells the whole story. Um, and, you know, the thing I would say about Dalvin um, above the other two, even, you know, especially McCaffrey, um, you know, my, my huge thing is just that, you know, I, I know especially a lot of guys in the baseball world don't believe in clutch. Um, you know, that's, you know, what, the term I always use instead of clutch is gamer. Um, you know, I had, I had a coach growing up. He used to always say, "Big time players make big plays in big games," and that's 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 who I want on my team. And when you look at you know look at the three, you know who's the guy who's played the most meaningful games, who who had the you know the most on the line on a nightly nightly basis going out there. Um, I think being in that program, I think being in that environment, um, that 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 does add something to to the value of Dalvin Cook for me. So I don't you know the, the combine you know that those kind of rankings and those stats. You know sometimes you can dive a little too, too much into the stats and sometimes you just have to use the eye test and look out there and if you if you you know I, I would put I'd put a large bet on it with anybody who's willing to take it with me that in five years Dalvin Cook is the best out of the three um, as far as wow. you know their NFL careers so I'm assuming that if you had to rank all three you'd go Dalvin Cook and then Christian McCaffrey and then Leonard Fournette yep I'm going yeah I'd go you know I think McCaffrey would be a nice player um, I don't think he's going to be a, a star but I think he'll be 
you know, provided against him smart enough to wait for like the mid to late second round on him. They're not overreaching for him. Um, I think he's a solid player who will have a you know a, a good NFL career, not a great one. Um, and then I think Fournette Boston is out of league in three or four years. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I actually think Leonard Fournette is uh, has a 50-50 shot of actually uh, doing well in the NFL, but I, I think it really is going to be system-based for him. I do agree that Dalvin Cook probably has the best skill set for any system that we just plop right in and be like an automatic contributor. And I think Christian McCaffrey is going to get overlooked uh, uh, in a great way because I, I think he's actually one of those all-round uh, running backs that can be used in many different situations uh, and is, is very versatile. So I, I actually I can see him being very useful. In fact, I could even see him uh, do some other things out of the backfield, and he's a pretty good pretty good at catching the ball as well. So uh, I think all three of them will have a place, but I agree with you. I don't think Leonard Fournette is the overall uh, number one pick as far as running back, but he does have the biggest name so far. So let's move on to the next uh, the next day. Let's talk about Saturday, where the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends were out there. Tell me, who popped out at you uh, amongst those uh, those group of folks on Saturday? Yeah, so I'll start with the wide receiver position. Um, you know, I, I've been doing some preliminary research. I tried to, uh, I wanted to go off the books, you know, off the off the charts a little bit. And uh, the more yeah. I dug into this, I went way off the charts. Um, but I love the kid named Robert Robert Davis out of uh, out of Georgia State. Um, I think he to me had had a really really nice combine. Um, you know, he had a 41 inch he had a 41 inch vertical. Um, ran a 4-4-40. He's you know 6'3", 219. He was a top performer in the vertical, in the in the 40, and in the bench press. Um, you know me, I absolutely love big body receivers. So you give me a guy who's 6'3", 220, who performs well across the entire board, and he's not one of these diva receivers who's high, you know, highly touted and getting all the praise. Um, you know, again, I, I just, I mean, I was just going through the Walter, you know, WalterFootball.com rankings, and he's not even in the top 25. Right. But uh, you wow. know, I wanted to go a little bit off the books there. So, uh, you know, Robert Davis, look out for him in the third or fourth round. Because um, he had – he secretly – I mean, he again, three huge categories. You know, he was a top performer, um, and he's, uh, you know, he's a big-body guy. And I just – you know, I, I got him coming out of Georgia State making an impact somewhere. Yeah, and he, he also performed really well in the 60-yard shuttle. Now i got to ask you this, because everyone's talking about it. John Ross was a 4-2-2 – Makes the uh, beats the the best ever, and is now at the top 40 yard dash time in combine history. You know what do you think about John Ross? Is he actually going to be a good receiver? Or is he just a fast guy? Who cares? That's what I would say about all the wow. John Ross 40. Oh my God! Oh, he ran a 4-2-40. That's great. You know, some of, some other guys who are really, really fast who have made a career out of it. You know, I know he broke Chris Johnson's record. You know, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I could go down the list of all these speed guys. And I, I need somebody to go through and find me one that's actually won a Super Bowl. I think the last guy who was primarily a speed guy who won a Super Bowl who had any impact on the game at all was, uh, was Percy Harvin in 2013. And that's okay. really the only one I can think of in the last, you know, 10 years. I just... I put so much more value in a guy who's a red zone target, um, who's big and physical, go up and get the ball, or a guy who's a great route runner or a good slot receiver who can move the chains and go over the middle, the outside guy who can just get downfield. So, um, you know, the, the bigger question for me is at an NFL level, can John Ross really be an effective route runner? Because, um, you know, I think there's, there's a tale of two different guys that I would tell you right now um, in the NFL. You know, there's, there's two guys who, you know, because there's this whole new trend in the NFL of, 
of the shorter, faster receiver who's, you know, really made a big impact. Um, and, and two of the guys who first come to, to, to mind, who I think have had two different, very different careers, are Antonio Brown and Brandon Cooks. And for me, Antonio Brown is, is you know, twice the route runner that, that Brandon Cooks is. So while Cooks okay. will have, you know, massive games, and anyone who owns him, owns him in fantasy, like I made the mistake of last year, knows that, you know, Brandon <laughs> Cooks is capable of getting you a, a six-catch, 200-yard, two-touchdown game. And he's also capable of going yeah. out there catching one ball for 10 yards and doing nothing the rest of the day. And so, yeah, you know, um, that, that's yeah. what I'm more interested to see in John Ross. Um, you know, the, the speed is nice because, you know, I know you can't keep speed, but, um, you know, the most prolific guy that I can think of my entire life that was the epitome of a guy who was not a great route runner, who was just a fast, dynamic guy and who had, you know, also about five inches on John Ross is Randy Moss. And in the most important game in Randy Moss's career, um, he just wouldn't go over the middle against the Giants. And the Giants just, you know, double teamed him on the outside and took him out of the game. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have that guy. You know, I think, I think the Washington Redskins have done it well with Deshaun Jackson not being the focal point of their offense and just being somebody that can air it out to every once in a while. Um, so if you're looking for John Ross to come in and fill that role immediately, I think that's, you know, that's a good target. But, you know, there's a team out there who's desperate. You know, we talked about it with the Rams, the 49ers, and there at that. Um, I'm not drafting this kid in the first round to come and be my number one guy because I don't think he's going to be a guy like that as your number one. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I agree. But I do think the guy has some potential. I mean, not only is he fast, he's got some ups as well. I mean, he uh, tied for fifth in the vertical jump with 37.0 inches. He also tied for third in the broad jump with 133.0 inches. He actually uh, is, a, is, a, is an okay route runner. He plays in kind of a wide-open, very aggressive offense when he came out of Washington. So it would be interesting to see how he actually uh, how he fits in. But I can see him as a guy, and I know you hate this term, but a guy who can take the top off and who can actually provide a little bit of, uh, you know, if nothing else, roll that safety coverage off the middle of the field so that other receivers can operate in the middle of the field. So, you know, I I think there's some benefit to having a guy like him. But I agree, I don't think he's going to be like, I don't know if he's going to be worth a a, a, a upper first-round pick. But let me ask you about this. Take the top off the defense. The most overrated. I know know you love that. that. That is... That's 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 when they say that's when they say a quarterback has a big arm. You know the Ryan Mallets <laughs> of the world, or the Steve Wilson back right. in the day. Just the most overrated, the most overrated stat or, or a skill set at this point in the season is the guy who can take the can take the top off the defense. It's madness. Yep. No, I, I I totally I totally agree. But uh, I I do love the term. <laughs> I know you love taking the top <laughs> off as much as you love running back. So so let me let me ask you about this. So I I actually kind of like Katie Cannon out of Baylor. Um, you know he's. He he has good. Uh, I mean, he's he's a good. He's also a good route runner. He's very athletic. Uh, he has great ops. He leaps over low tackles. He has great uh, body adjustment in the air. He's a very smooth, long strider. You just don't overthrow him. You just, they didn't really. They couldn't overthrow him when he was playing uh, in college. And I really feel like he's a guy you can just kind of toss up and he can go up and get it. I, I like him. I like him a lot. He ended up not performing as well in the uh, in the. Uh, uh, combine, he ended up uh, having the fourth highest 40 um, uh, yard dash of 4.41 and tying for fifth in the vertical jump at 37. But, you know, I still think that he's a uh, he's going to be overlooked a little bit uh, because they feel that he um, he has a little bit less uh, strength. But I, I do think that he has a guy that, that could really be um, could really be good if he's picked up later on in the draft. All right. 
So let me uh, let me go ahead and ask you about the quarterbacks because that's what people are going to be talking about as well. How do you feel about the quarterbacks and how they did in the combine? And did they actually improve or their stock, or did they drop their stock? Yeah, I, I think I think it's impossible um, for a quarterback to really drop his you know uh, his, his stock in the combine. Um, it's all yeah. about the quarterback in the NFL. It's a quarterback league, for better or for worse. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think any of them hurt their chances. Um, you know, for me, my, my thing is and um, that this is a really bad quarterback class. And I, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not high in this quarterback class at all. And this is, you know, I'm not uh, doing the, the, the bidding of uh, Mike Lombardi there, you know, being a past Bobo, but. You know, I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns, and you have a first and a, and a 12th overall pick. How you're not including one of those to get Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, it's you know, this is not again me being a Patriot fanboy, as I've said all year long. Um, I want, you know, I don't want the Patriots to get rid of Jimmy. I don't care if they have to pay him as a starter with Brady next year. I, I want to keep both right. guys because I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the next coming. Um, right, right. So, I think you know, that, the same thing. So. Yeah, and so yeah. with that said, I just don't know how you how the Browns look at these guys um, and, and think that they're one of the answers. So as going through it, um, you know, I think I think Deshaun Watson had the had the best day out of all of them. You know, I think I think right. he proved that athletically he's you know absolutely you know the again another overused cliche term that time of year, but he's an athletic freak. Um, right. You know, across the board, he pretty much outperformed everybody. Um, with that said, he's still six foot two. And, you know, uh, 220. And, you know, I, I did this earlier because in my head, you know, I'm thinking immediately I, I thought in my head, you know, this time of year I'm trying to think of comps, like, you know, NFL comps. And me, I'm like, you know who that, that reminds me of? And I go look it up. And, you know, uh, Robert Griffin III is six foot two, 223. Like, there's a yeah. difference between the two guys. They're the same player. And that's scary. How do you how do you invest? You've seen and I and I was the biggest Robert Griffin, you know, junior fan. And my fantasy league that I'm the commissioner of were a dynasty league, um, with you know, dynasty keeper league. And I, you know, Robert Griffin, I took him the first year, and he was going to be my quarterback for the next 15 years in fantasy football. <laughs> sure, and, right, you know, right. And he proved that, like, you know, I know there's a lot of stories about his his mental state and all that, but come on, it all it all started with the fact that his body can't hold up to this in this league. Um, Michael Vick, that you know. There's, you know, there's that famous meme I love that uh, Michael Vick, <laughs> Michael Vick plays himself in Madden and gets hurt in real life and and then and in the game. <laughs> right. um, you know right. the, the, the undersized the undersized quarterback uses his athleticism. Um, you know it's the reason why Johnny Menzel never had a shot in this league. You have to be bigger than that. Um, so he had a great combine day. I'm sorry, I'm not banking my future on a six foot two, two twenty guy. Um, it just it just doesn't work. Um, and and so. That and then I'll go to my favorite one last, which I shouldn't be really surprised. I'm gonna sound like a homer, but I'll go to the, the next guy, uh, Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, I think he did well across some of the stuff, um, across some of like the the baseline, the bench, the the forty, right. um, you know, those kind of skill sets. But the throwing drill, he well showed why, right. you know, they showed who he is. He he airmails the ball. He is he is a dumb jock. He is there's no there's no touch, there's no finesse, there's no there's no smarts to his game. Um, wow. I think I think he's got a. You take him in the first round. He's got a. He's got first round bust written all over him too. Um, which brings me to the third guy, and it's gonna make me again sound like a bulldog. 
But, um, you know, I think that John Kaiser is the best guy coming out of here. And not just because he played wow. for Notre Dame. But, um, right, you know, right. he, had a, he had a tremendously mediocre day. Um, you know, he, he you know, he was not very great in the combine. The knocks against him are the knocks against him. He, he doesn't progress through the leagues great. Um, he's not, he, he, you know, he shies away from threading the needle. Um, you know, he's a pretty good size passing lane um, for him to throw the ball. Um, but to me, that's coachable stuff. I think, I think the arm is there. I think the athleticism is there. Um, he's six foot four um, and like two thirty three, so he's he's got a bigger, more NFL ready body. Um, so now, you know, if he goes to, if I'm San Francisco. You know, and I'm Kyle Shanahan. I, I think I can take Kaiser in, and I think I could actually develop him in to a to a real NFL quarterback. Because if you're a good coach, those are things you should be able to coach up. You should be able to help a guy work on his reads and his progression. Um, and the last big knock against Kaiser is that he'll take sacks. But I think the other two things play into that: that he doesn't progress through reads quickly enough. He doesn't want to pass the ball unless there's a wide open lane. He doesn't want to make the turnover. Um, which, as a rookie, if, if they put enough stuff around him, get a good run game around him. That's actually, you know, ideal to have a kid as you're developing him who at least doesn't want to make mistakes. Um, but those right. two things lead into then holding onto the ball a little too long and taking the sack. So um, I think he's a reclamation project. I think if if I'm the 49ers, you know, if I'm Shanahan, I'm going to um, to, to Lynch and to, to the owners there, Jerry York, and saying, hey, you, I want to take this kid. I think he's our future, but you got to give me two or three years. Don't expect this to be – a one or two year project expect to see, you know, an uptick at the end of the second year and then into the third year. So we really kind of develop him and, and move forward. So, um, right, I think he's right. the best, you know, of, of a horrible quarterback class. Well, you know, he had, Shanahan has six years on his contract. So he has plenty of time in order to, to make this work. Now I, I will say this, I, I, I do agree that I think Kaiser has the right body type for this. And actually he has the largest hands at nine and seven, eight inches, uh, much more than uh, Deshaun Watson, and uh, Mitch Trubisky, or actually Mitchell Trubisky, he's now requested to be called Mitchell Trubisky. No longer is he Mitch, okay? So just, just FYI, you don't want a PR guy to come down <laughs> on you. But you know, let me just say this. Uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, I think, actually was not terrible. He did airmail things uh, deep, and that was a problem, but his accuracy short was actually pretty good. And uh, like we mentioned, he did relatively well on some of the important drills, three-cone drill, 20-yard shuttle, uh, things of that nature, and, uh, and he had a good 40-yard dash. Deshaun Watson, I think, helped his stock the most because there were significant accuracy issues uh, in college, and a lot of people thought that perhaps he wasn't going to be a guy who could, uh, could make it in NFL. I think a comp for him, if you're looking at it, maybe somebody like Mariota, maybe somebody like Russell Wilson, although not as good as far as him being in the pocket. I think that could be coachable, but I agree there's going to be some issues with Deshaun Watson going forward as well. And Deshaun Kaiser, I, I think his problem is that he, he actually didn't do well on the short routes uh, in the end, and he actually hurt himself a little bit there uh, with short art accuracy issues. He Particularly with sideline throws, he kind of threw them inside, he kind of threw them over. Maybe it was nerves, who knows. But going deep, he was really accurate, and I think that's something that is, is hard to teach. And the fact that he has a big arm, and I know you hate that term, big arm, but he has a big arm, and he has the right body type, and, I'm right, and I think you're right, he's coachable. He did, did, did the worst as far as uh, the accurate numbers with regard to uh, all the uh, combine events, but I, I think you, you're right. I think it's kind of a it's kind of a three race three way race here. All of them are going to be reclamation projects, but I bet you all three of them will be drafted in the first round. All right, only a few seconds left, so let's go to, the, to, to today. Talk about defensive linemen and linebackers. Anybody pop out at you today? Yeah, yeah two obvious guys, Garrett and Peppers. Um, I really like Peppers. I like his versatility. 
I think Garrett's another guy. You know, I'll, go, I'll keep going my theme here of taking the most talked about guy and say he's going to be a bust. But, um, you know, right. I, I think Garrett has a lot of physical skills. But, um, you know, and I, again, I put a lot of weight in this kind of stuff. But, I, uh, you know, his, his comment about the, who he'd like the most sack was Tom Brady because he was a Peyton Manning fan. Um, you know, for me, I would, I would have bought in a little bit more and loved that quote more if he said Brady because I want to take down the most, you know, whatever. He doesn't have to say the best, but the best. They're the most notorious. They're the most famous guy in the NFL. That shows a little bit more fight and champion to me, whereas he played it off more as a little bit of a joke. And I don't know. He, just, he kind of seems like a knucklehead too. So. Uh, but Jaleel Peppers, <laughs> I think, is, is the real deal. And I would, I would absolutely take him early, early in this draft. Yeah, but he might actually end up playing uh, defensive back or safety, and he's actually going to be on the field again tomorrow probably uh, with the defensive back because he played both defensive back and linebacker when he was at Michigan. I, I will mention one guy, that's Hassan Reddick from Temple. He had an amazing, amazing day, second overall, uh, 40-yard dash, 4.52. He had personal bats and broad jump and vertical, best vertical, uh, best broad jump of all of them, uh, and did one of the 20-yard shuttle as well. He looks like a real deal at the defensive line. Uh, maybe I think his stock has risen significantly from his uh, results of the combine. All right, we're down to the end of the show. That was quick. We have a lot to talk about there. All right, so we're going to have a crossover of another podcast later this week, and we're probably will talk about this last day. But until then, uh, go ahead, Ryan, tell us your uh, Twitter account and your and the uh, Instagram account so they can follow you. Yeah, so the Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time. Twitter's at Ryan Whitfield, N-E. And uh, just don't forget that name, Robert Davis out of Georgia State. <laughs> All right. And uh, my name is Hakun Wong. Follow me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter. Enjoy the last day of the Combine. Enjoy your NFL week, and we'll be back later on this week. Have a great one. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.